Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 356. This is 2 Kings 15, just the tail end of it, um, the mirrored scripture from 2 Chronicles 27, and then Micah chapter 1. So um, it was kind of hard going back to 2 Kings 15 because we've sort of been in Isaiah um, for a little bit and it's kind of a little bit jumbled, but, but we're picking back up on the story of the kings of Judah. And here we have Jotham, and it's talking about his reign. Now, just as a reminder, the rulers of Judah went from Amaziah to Uzziah and then to Jotham. Now, Jotham's father, Uzziah, reigned for 52 years, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight for the most part, but he did not destroy the pagan shrines, according to scripture, um, and... The Lord struck him with leprosy, which lasted until his death. Now, why did the Lord strike him with leprosy? Well, if you go back to lesson 347, um, we learned earlier in 2 Kings chapter 15 that his pride had led him to enter the sanctuary of the Lord, Lord's holy temple. And he burst, personally burned incense there. And that was a duty that was only reserved for the high priest. So that was very brazen, bold, and obviously disrespectful to God. So um, God struck him immediately. So there was no doubt about it. If you remember that story, it was um, pretty blatant. In fact, I can go back to that scripture and just um, read it really quick. It's actually, I'll read from Second Chronicles 26. Um, verse 19 and then going forward Uzziah who was holding an incense burner became furious and this is he became furious by the way because the priests had confronted him about what he was doing but as he was standing there raging at the priests before the incense incense altar in the Lord's temple leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead when Ahaziah the high priest and all the other priests saw the leprosy they rushed him out and the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house for he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace and he governed the people of the land. So at this point where we pick back up in that story Jotham is the king, um, even though his father is still alive, but it's just extenuating circumstances. And just as a reminder, because I often need a reminder, and perhaps you don't, but um, when we start out the Old Testament, there's 12 tribes of Israel. You know, back then they were all united under King David and Solomon, but after Solomon died, the kingdom divided into two parts. And two of the tribes, Judah and Benjamin, stayed loyal to David's line and accepted Solomon's son as their king. I'm reading some of this from my study Bible. They became the southern kingdom, also called Judah, okay, with Jerusalem as the capital city. So Jerusalem's the capital of Judah. The ten other tribes became the northern kingdom, which is also called Israel. And Samaria is the capital city of Israel. So that will come into play as we go forward and we talk about Micah because um, he is giving a message of stern warning to the people of Judah specifically. But it's really, um, we learn that Micah and 
Isaiah, both prophets, they both lived around the same time and they both focused their energies on prophesying for Judah. Um, but obviously their care, they cared about both lands um, because they all included all the tribes of Israel or of the original 12 tribes. So anyways, um, so yes, Jotham is king. It says in verse 34, it says, He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything his father Uzziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned off, burned incense there. He rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord. Um, now, Second Chronicles gives a lot more detail, so I did go ahead and read that. Um, so basically, Jotham was mostly a good king. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem for 16 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Um, but he left the, now these shrines that they're talking about were in the high places of the mountains. And that comes, that's an important factor when you're considering Micah's warning. And we'll get to that. So it is, you know, this is all in chronological order. And so I believe that's why Micah is put here in this location because it's because obviously this is the time that he served. He served under while Jotham was king. Um, he actually served during, let's see, he served during the years um, 742 BC to 687 BC. So he served under Jotham, King Ahaz, and Hezekiah of Judah. Okay, Jotham good king, Ahaz, bad king, very, very bad king, and Hezekiah, good king, just for the record. Also, in Second Chronicles 27, it expands upon the things that Jotham did while he was reigning in Judah. Um, it said that he rebuilt, He not only did he rebuild the upper gate of the temple of the Lord, he also did extensive rebuilding on the wall at the hill of of Ophel. He built towns in a hill country. Yeah, building towns is significant, so I'm glad that Second Chronicles thought that that was worthy of mentioning. Um, and constructed fortresses and towers in the wooded areas. So, that's substantial. He went to war against the Ammonites and conquered them. Yeah, that's substantial and worthy of mention. I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad Chronicles did that. Over the next three years, he received from them an annual tribute and went to all the riches that they. So God, it's clear in verse six, it says God or King Jotham became powerful because he was careful to live in obedience to the Lord, his God. So we see this example through the kings that when they followed after God and they let God lead them, they had victory. They had prosperity. And so they're at a place now of victory and prosperity because King Jotham is a pretty good king and trying to do his best. However, we do come to a place where Micah is warning them. He's warning Samaria and Jerusalem, both the capital cities of Israel and Judah. So um, the Lord gives him this message. During the years, it says, during the years when Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The visions he saw concerned both. Okay. So it's saying, attention, let all the people of the world listen. Let the earth and everything in it hear. The sovereign Lord is making accusations against you. The Lord speaks from his holy temple. This is important. Okay. 
Verse 3 says, Look, the Lord is coming. He leaves his throne in heaven and tramples the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath their feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire, like water pouring down a hill. So that is referring to God is going to trample the heights of the earth. Now, this could just be talking about God's going to trample the mountains, punish you by, you know, landslides or earthquakes or whatever. But more likely... As my study Bible points out, it says the heights of the earth could also be referring to the altars dedicated to various idols, which were usually placed in elevated areas. These idols, these shrines, were at the high places. So this correlates really well with um, what we just read about Jotham, how even though he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. So those are in the high places. They had idol worship there. When you know that's what's going on, this message from Micah becomes more clear. Um, verse 5 says, And why is this happening? Because of the rebellion of Israel. Yes, the sins of the whole nation. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Samaria, its capital city. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah, in Jerusalem, its capital? So it's saying these capital cities, other cities follow them. They led other places to also do the same thing. So there's a big lesson there, and we'll come back to that. Um, so I, the Lord, will make the city of Samaria a heap of ruins, and verse 7, all her carved images will be smashed and her sacred treasures will be burned. Carved images, those are idols. Sacred treasures, those could have to do with idolatry as well. And then he goes through all of the towns specifically and gives, gives specific examples of the devastation that's coming. When you get down to verse 13, it says, Harness your chariot horses and flee, you people of Lachish. Now, it says, you were the first city in Judah to follow Israel in her rebellion, and you led Jerusalem into sin. Lachish took the brunt of the Assyrian invasion, I guess just because of where it was located, um, but also it was a high enough town with high enough influence that it started the cycle of sin for other cities to follow. That's why the scripture says, you were the first city in Judah to follow Israel in her rebellion. And you led Jerusalem into sin. So Lachish must be a major city in order to be able to do that. Okay. Um, then he goes to verse 15. O people of Marisha. Or, let me back up. Verse 14. Send farewell gifts to Moresheth Gath. Remember Moresheth is where Micah is from. So he's speaking of his hometown now. There is no hope of saving it. The town of Axib has deceived the kings of Israel. O people of Marisha, I will bring a conqueror to capture your town, and the leaders of Israel will go to Adullam. Now, Adullam, my study Bible says that that town was surrounded by numerous caves. So Micah was warning that when the enemy approached, Judah's proud leaders would be forced to flee and hide up in those caves. So, okay, that makes sense. Then 
Verse 16, O people of Judah, shave your heads in sorrow, for the children you love will be snatched away. Make yourselves as bald as a vulture, for your little ones will be exiled to distant lands. Now they shaved their heads when they were mourning, or they were really upset about something. And so Micah, you know, you could assume he had a vision. Here he's giving prophecy, a warning. He had a vision from God, and he saw children being ripped away from their parents. That would be very disturbing. Yeah, I'll read my study Bible. It says, He pictured the devastating sorrow of parents seeing their children taken away to be slaves in a distant land. This happened frequently in both Israel and Judah, most horribly when each nation was completely conquered. Israel in 722 B.C. and Judah in 586 B.C. So we do know, of course, that uh, the the test of a true prophet is whether or not their words, their prophecy comes true. And we will see that Micah's does. I think the big takeaway here, um, if we jump back to Jotham, it's that, you know, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He did everything except take care of the idolatry. That was a problem. And that is what, um, created the need for Micah's warning to begin with. But I think another one to take away is certainly for for us today, whether we realize it or not, um, people who look to us because they know we are believers, they may follow our example. Now, you may not think of yourself as a leader, um, but whether you realize it or not, people are watching you and they're watching what you do. And if they don't follow the word and God's God's word and, and they have a question about something, they might look to you to see what you think or see how you behave in a situation too. Um, and then they will feed off of your reaction. So I think it it's important for us to realize that our actions can influence others. And are we leading a good example for others to follow or will they follow us in our sin? So I think that's a perfect way to close it. And um, that's really the bottom line here with the scripture for our takeaway. So anyway, that's it for today. It's good to be back into a regiment of reading the Bible. Um, I hope you all have a great day. I will talk to you soon.